Welcome to Running Up the Score. I am Alex Kennedy. This is my show that airs every Tuesday and Friday at 6 p.m. Eastern time, where we talk all things sports with a variety of guests. Today, my guest is Kurt Heelan from NBC Sports' Pro Basketball Talk. You can follow him on Twitter at Basketball Talk. Let's get to my interview with Kurt. Kurt, thanks for joining me. How are you? I'm well. Th- thanks for having me. This is going to be fun. It's good to hear your voice and see you, man. It's, it's, it's me, media friends on the other coast. I just don't get I don't get to see them enough. man. Yeah, like aside from Summer League, I feel like we don't really get a chance to catch up and, and hang out no. very often. So it's uh, definitely fun to have you on. Always fun to, you know, chat basketball with you. Um, I want to start with this Phoenix Suns team because obviously we haven't seen them at full strength because of the Bradley Beal injury. Devin Booker was out for a bit. Um, are you concerned at all about this Beal injury? Because we've seen a lot of players have back issues and it ends up being a nagging thing. Even if they feel better, you know, later in the season, it might pop back up. Are you concerned about Beal and the Suns team or are you still feeling good about their chances in the Western Conference? I know I'm concerned. I'm legitimately concerned about a and Beal's back is a good point. But it's like this has been a team of guys who have had nagging histories and like I, you don't want it to be true, but. Durant certainly had it. Uh, Booker's got his own injury history. But Beal is the one I was concerned about. And tied to that, I mean, Alex, their depth has not looked that great. Once you get past those three um, in whatever combo, there's been spots here and there, but it has not been. You know, Nurkic has had moments, but he certainly hasn't been great. Kogi's been, I mean, you can keep saying we haven't seen the whole thing together but that's part of the reason for having depth. It's what you know, the Lakers thought they were doing this offseason. Like, oh, we're going to get more depth. It'll be okay when our guys miss some time or are off. And it, it just hasn't been in Phoenix, which makes me concerned for – look, this is a team that I, some idiots I, uh, picked to go to the you – know, to, to come out of the West this year. Like, you think about the depth you need to do that and your ability to be versatile, and they're not showing any of – that level of play yet. Yeah, it's definitely concerning. Uh, on this show, w- before the season started, Sam Amick and I talked about uh, just some of the concerns about this team and the lack of depth and whether, you know, going from DeAndre into Yusuf Nurkic was an upgrade even. We both kind of thought it was a downgrade, especially because yeah. Nurkic is someone who has missed a lot of time with injuries. So, uh, you know, it kind of adds to that problem of another star or another starter play, starting uh, level player that, you know, has an injury history. So, it's definitely concerning. You know, I'm, I'm hoping they can put it together because I think they do have potential. It could be a really fun team when they're at full strength. But um, I, I don't know. It's There's definitely a lot of concerns there. Um, I want to ask you about uh, this Zach Levine situation with the Chicago Bulls because now there are reports that Levine could be available uh, and that the Bulls are maybe open to moving him. There have been reports prior to that that, uh, you know, he seemed to be available and that, uh, you know, a lot of teams were kind of expecting him to maybe be moved by the deadline. But now... You know, you have reports the Bulls are, are finally open to those conversations. Uh, and it seems like this could be a this year kind of thing where maybe Levine, maybe DeMar DeRozan, the Bulls could kind of blow it up. What are your thoughts on kind of Levine's value league-wide? First off, isn't it, Alex, like the most Chicago Bulls thing ever to go, you know what, we're going to wait till the year after the Wembayama, Scoot Henderson, Thompson wins draft. You know what, now that it's going to be kind of a down year at the top of the draft, let, let's blow it up. Let, this seems like a good <laughs> Um, I, yeah, I could say I just people, I mean, you got the same thing. I'm sure like talking to people around the league, everybody expected this last summer or maybe last trade deadline or maybe the summer before that, like it was kind of obvious this wasn't working. And especially with Lonzo's unfortunate situation and, you know, obviously he's out still this year and 
as much as I'd like to think we'll see him again, I'm not sold. Like this just wasn't going to work. So I, I'm, I, that said, you're to your actual question. I don't know that it's that hot. Like, I don't think that they're going to, they're going to have to take less than other superstars have gotten recently because he still owed $138 million and three years after this season, like, except, you know, you're picking up whatever of the prorated 40 million he makes this year. You've got a lot of money on the hook for the next three seasons. And he's an elite scorer. He's an all-star level player. He will go get you a lot of buckets, but Alex, what else does he bring? That's one of the things that Jake Fisher talked about when he was on the show, too. He was like, there is a concern amongst executives that, you know, he has the accolades and the slam dunk contest and all that. But does it really translate to winning? At the end of the day, that's what it's about. Um, When you take on a huge contract like that, you want someone that's going to be able to contribute to winning. And he hasn't really shown that to this point in his career. So, yeah, I'm definitely curious. I think a change of scenery could be good for him, um, especially if he's, you know, maybe like a second or third option on a team. Um, but yeah, I think there are some real concerns there from executives and I understand kind of where they're coming from just because he hasn't shown he's able to kind of win at a high level. Um, I, I, what are some teams that make sense as like a landing spot for you? Cause I know we've heard the Lakers, the heat, there've been a few teams that have been kind of thrown out there, the Sixers, because they're trying to find that third star after moving hard in what teams make sense for, uh, as a landing spot in your uh, opinion? Um, I've heard the Sixers, by the way, are they want to see what they've got. They're not doing anything. They want to watch this team through essentially Christmas because I mean, they've been one of the best. I'll count them as a surprise, really, frankly. Like, they've been better than I expected this season. And so, hey, let's see what this thing really is. I still think, I'm agree that they, I think, but you think they need one more shot creator? They're really going to contend. Like, they need one more guy. But I don't know if that's Levine for them. That might not necessarily be the fit. By the way, that's the other part of this. If you're Chicago, you got to do this all in, right? It's got to be, hey, DeMar DeRozan, Alex Caruso, Vucevic, you know, probably next summer or something. There's not a huge market because of that contract for Levine. I'll tell you the team I'm wondering if the fit is there is Memphis, uh, which I watched in person and it is, you know, obviously John Morant is out and – I don't think we can overestimate how much Steven Adams means to that team in terms of setting screens and doing the dirty work. And now he's out for the season, but you watch them try to create shots right now, as much as Desmond Bain is trying and doing what it can. They, it is a struggle for them to create looks right now. They need another shot creator. If long-term on, uh, if they're going to, you know, build to where they think they belong. Um, is Zach the better fit there? Is, does that help their defense? I'm not sure about the fit, but they've got some assets, and that makes sense to me in some ways more than more than Philadelphia, more than Lakers. Like, I don't know, I'll ask you: Do you think really giving up? Let's say it's, it's got to be D'Angelo. They can't do it till December, and they they throw D'Angelo Russell in the package. Is it that big an upgrade? Is it worth taking on all that extra cash for Zach Levine if you're the Lakers? Yeah, that's what I was going to say. I feel like the Lakers always get thrown into these conversations because, the, you know, they're always star hunting. And, you know, I think a lot of agents insert the Lakers into conversations, too, especially like in free agency because it, it gets their guy talked about. And they're constantly yeah. being talked about whenever, you know, these kind of things pop up. But I don't know if it's the right move. Uh, especially we saw, you know, after that midseason shakeup last year, this team looked really, really good. 
They were able to go on their their you know runs to the Western Conference. I don't know if blowing it up and, and taking you know a big chance. I mean, we kind of saw them do that with like the Russell Westbrook yeah. move, blowing up, sacrificing depth, taking on a big contract, and we all know how that worked out. So not to say that Zach Levine is at this stage of his career where Russell Westbrook was. I mean, Levine is obviously you know going to put up better numbers and, and he's in his prime, whereas Russell, Russell Westbrook wasn't at that point. But I, I just think after what they showed last year, I wouldn't really be in a rush to blow that up for a Zach Levine necessarily. So uh, it's interesting that they're being mentioned. And I wonder, you know, how real that is or what the conversations are, you know, between the Bulls and the Lakers. But yeah, it's a good question. Um, even the Heat, you know, hearing, I, I know the Heat are another one of those teams that because Pat Riley's kind of known to make those big swings and they've been linked to everyone from... Damian Lillard to Bradley Beal, you know, so it, it makes sense that the Heat are being mentioned, but even Levine's fit with the Heat, I'm not sure if I like that a ton. What are your thoughts on Miami? Yeah, I was going to say that they fit in the Laker category for me. You're going to have to probably give up Tyler Hero to make the money work on that deal. You take a, you get a guy in Levine who's five years older and makes more money. Is the upgrade that big? I mean, I think Levine's a better player than Tyler Hero, a better scorer. Um, a more consistent score and shot creator. But is the upgrade worth everything you're giving up? I'm not convinced that it is. I'm not convinced, let's put it this way. I'm also just not convinced, hey, we add Zach Levine to Bam Adebayo and Jimmy Butler, and we're we're knocking on Boston's door. I, I'm not sure what that move is, by the way, for Miami, but like they seem a full, as much as they've won a bunch of, what, six in a row, seven in a row, whatever it is now. Yeah. Um, they They still seem a step behind the elite elite of the East to me. Yeah, I think um, this, this Heat team is very interesting. Um, I, I don't know. I think it really comes down to how teams are valuing Levine, kind of like we talked about. You know, there might be some team out there that loves him and thinks, hey, he is the missing piece and he can put us over the edge and make us a contender. But I'm not sure if I'm not sure uh, which team that is. Uh, but yeah, you're, I mean, it only, it only takes one. It only takes exactly. one team. Um, you mentioned this rookie class, Victor Wembanyama, Scoot Henderson, the Thompson twins. It's been a ton of fun. You know, I've, yeah. and then Chet Holmgren is kind of the cheat code. He gets to be factored into this rookie class as well. Um, what are your thoughts on what we've seen from Wemby so far? It seems like not only is he, uh, you know, fun for like diehard basketball fans, but like my mother-in-law is texting me about Wemby. Like he's <laughs> getting casual fans really interested in yeah. basketball. And uh, it, I, I think you, you don't see that very often. I mean, the hype, has kind of transcended NBA fans and, and now casual sports fans are super interested too, which I think is really cool. What are your thoughts on what Wemby has shown so far and then this rookie class as a whole? Yeah, I'm out here in Southern California and I've got a ton of Laker friends fans just because I'm in Southern, you know, I'm in greater Los Angeles. Um, and even they, like, there's such a, they can be so politely worded, would be focused tunnel vision. Like if it didn't happen on the Lakers, it didn't happen. And they're asking me about Wimby. Like, is this real? Is it like, so I, I think it's an interesting beginning for him. A, I mean, they're letting him explore the studio space, aren't they? Like they're, mm -hmm. you want to bring the ball up. You want to rate your own shots. We're going to put you in the post a little. They're going to do that. He looks like he's, and well, Ty Lewis actually talked about this when the Clippers were out here. Like you can still kind of get to him physically. You can kind of get him out of his spots. He's he'll get stronger. He'll also just get smarter about it. Um, right now, though, he's you can kind of knock him off his game a little bit, and I think some teams have been able to do that. Um, not necessarily with there's nobody who matches his size, but almost smaller defenders who are more physical, of PJ Tucker's of the world, are like going to be the problem. 
Um, and it's an interesting contrast with, I mean, they're also experimenting with everything. The Jeremy Sohan experiment at point guard. If you were trying to win games, yeah, you wouldn't be doing that. Uh, <laughs> do you like that? I mean, do, you like that? do you like the idea of letting them just kind of, like this whole team is just kind of exploring what they are, right? Yeah, it reminds me of, hey, let's play Giannis at point guard, you know, KD's like rookie year, let's play him at the two, like, you know, teams that are kind of in that rebuilding stage, I feel like they're, they're like, hey, this is going to make the player more versatile and skilled in the long run. And we're not really trying to compete this year. So if, if the player gets better and we're completely focused on developing our young players, then it's going to pay off. And then, uh, you know, we can get another high draft pick uh, to kind of put another piece next to Wemby. So I think it makes sense, especially, you know, this, this first team has shown that they're, they're great at drafting, great at developing young talent. So, you know, I, I trust their, uh, their approach. I think they've kind of earned that. Um, so, yeah, I don't think there's any chance that we see uh, him stay at the one like long term. Uh, it's I mean, I guess it's more just about can we put the ball in his hands and get him those reps so that he's more comfortable and has that in his skill set and in his bag, I think. I think that's kind of the move. So I, I don't hate it, especially if you're trying to get another top pick. Um, you know, I think the mistake that some teams make, especially when it's a coach that maybe doesn't have job security, which we know Pop has the ultimate job security, um, you know, they're going to play veterans. They're going to use the young guys sparingly. You know, whereas this team, they're all in on youth development. I think that's the move. Well, how many coaches have we seen, too, who, hey, I'm here to develop players. You've got all this space. Build this out. And then the ownership management goes, I'm tired of losing. We've got to. And then it's a coaching change, but it's more of a mentality change. Like the other coach could have done this, but that's not what you told them to do. You, you get these, you know, shifts to that. And I, like you said, with the job security is huge. Popovich is there to coach as long as he wants to. Same with Buford in the front office. The, even if they leave, the system's not changing. <laughs> like, you know, Mike Budenholzer's out there. You can roll him in and it's going to be the same. Um, I really think that they are going to be not about winning. They're clearly not about winning this year, as opposed to like, he gets compared a lot to Chet Holmgren, but Chet Holmgren's in such a different situation where you've got Shea Gilgis Alexander, who's an all, you know, first team all NBA, you know, in the MVP discussion in the broad sense kind of player and you've got Williams and you've got all these other you know, giddies out there and you're developing guys, but you've also got all this talent and you're like, Hey, Chet, here's the lane, right? Like go block some shots, space the floor on pick and rolls with your three. Like we have very specific things we need you to do and he's doing them very well, but it's a radically different experience from what they're asking to win. Yeah, it's yeah. totally different. Uh, this OKC team is, uh, you know, their goal is to make the playoffs this year. I had, Jalen Williams on the show, uh, you know, a couple weeks ago, and he was talking about that. Like, hey, we're a young team, but we enter every game thinking we're going to win. Our goal is to make the playoffs. Um, so, yeah, I think it's very different than the Spurs. To I'm sure, you know, if you talk to players, they're going to say similar things. But the, we know if you look at just how they're kind of approaching things, it seems like the goal is long-term youth development, uh, all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, I think uh, I'm very curious to see what Wemby... There's so much young talent, first of all, in the NBA right now. That's so exciting. Like, there's so many guys that are in their early 20s that in a couple years could be just absolute monsters like Wemby, Chet, Paolo. Uh, there's so many just fun guys to watch. The Thompson twins have been already super impressive and kind of hitting the ground running. Like uh, Scoot Henderson hasn't really shown a lot, but I still believe in his potential long term. I just think the NBA is in really good hands when you kind of look at all the young talent in the league. And I can't wait to watch these guys kind of develop and hit their prime. 
Um, what are your thoughts on kind of the Thompson twins, Scoot, some of the other rookies that we've seen so far? Yeah, I'm with you on Scoot, by the way. I, I'm very high on what he's going to be, but uh, obviously there's a bit of a learning curve and now he's injured, which kind of sets the whole thing back a little bit. But I, long-term, I'm still incredibly high on what he's going to be. Oh, so the guy that has impressed me that I more than I expected once we got to the games is a Sir Thompson. Like, you know, he has been fantastic on both ends. He's been great on defense in Detroit. Um, I mean, it's not, he went number five. It's not like he was some secret secret, but he wasn't the more touted of the two because Amen's considered the more physically gifted, more explosive player, but he's so polished. It's just a source, just like making plays, making smart plays. And a rookie, it's, it's one of those things that I love. If a rookie is impacting on the defensive end, and Chet and Wemby are doing it, but if a rookie is defending, that's a great sign because rookies don't defend. They're generally yeah. horrible on that end. Like it takes time for even the good, the Dylan Brookses of the world to, to develop into that guy um, or, or name your good perimeter defender. He's kind of come in and do, done it. It's a really positive sign for um, Muddy Williams and, and the uh, where the Pistons will be headed over time. Yeah, I'm a huge fan of his game. I was able to draft him in a dynasty basketball league that oh, was another nice. like sports writers. And so I've been loving it, like the rebounds, the blocks, the steals. And I did not expect him to be this uh, NBA ready. I, you know, all the talk about, you know, him and especially, you know, how he kind of got to the NBA, like playing overtime elite. There were questions about, you know, the competition level and things like that. So I was viewing him as more of like a long term you know, project, maybe in two, three years he's contributing. And I did not think he'd hit the ground running and, and be this impactful from day one, especially on the defensive end. You know, to your point, it's so hard for rookies to kind of come in and do that. I think that's another reason why this class is so special. It's not just the offensive uh, impact and guys that we kind of haven't seen before in terms of how they're, you know, built and things like that. It's the fact that you have, you know, three or four dominant defenders that are already making a huge impact. Um, and they're already, you know, talking about some of these guys being like on all defensive teams this year, which is crazy for multiple rookies to be in that conversation. Uh, it's it's really fun. Um, I want to ask you about this Indiana Pacers team. Tyrese yes. Halliburton has been so much fun. Um, they're seven and four right now near the top of the Eastern Conference. Halliburton is just killing it out there, you know, facilitating, having like zero turnover games, um, looks incredible running that offense. You know, I was a huge fan of the trade when they first made it. Granted, I yep. think I was a little unfair on the Kings. You know, it did work out for the Kings. They were make the playoffs and, you know, it's, it's worked out better than I thought for Sacramento, but I just didn't understand that trade at all. Like giving up on someone like Tyrese in the beginning. Um, I, I think I love it for Indiana. I think he's an incredible player to build around on and off the floor. He kind of like checks every box if you're an executive. Um, so I love kind of what they built there. And then they had a great offseason too. I really like the moves that they made. Uh, what are your thoughts on this Pacers team and, and kind of what we're seeing from Tyrese? By the way, I was with you on that trade. And I, I admit now, like I underestimated the Kings end. I thought they were trading short term for long term. And I think their ceiling is only so high, but I mean, they broke the drought. They're kind of a fun team now, especially with the way Fox has blown up. So uh, kudos to them. I think that this is one of those traits that may work out for both sides. But I had a, a scout come to me. They wouldn't come to me, but we were talking, at, you know, middle to end of last season. And he's like, are you watching enough Tyrese Halliburton? Like, you've got to, you know how good he is playing right now? Like, go watch more Halliburton. And, and he ended up finishing, I, I 
looked it up the other day because I was kind of caught off guard. Last season, an estimated plus minus, whatever you think, it's like a, a good go-to all-encompassing stat. He was sixth in the league in offense. Like he, he was making differences then. And for you and me and all the people who are watching this who are basketball junkies, we stayed up at odd hours and watched FIBA this summer. He was so like, – that team was so dynamic. All those guys wanted to play with him and run and get to spaces with him. So I thought he was ready for making a leap, but it's been even more impressive than I thought. I mean, Alex, I don't know about you, but what really gets me on this team is who's their second best offensive player? Is it Miles Turner, Nimhart? Yeah. Like, like they're, they're, the, the, he is lifting up not bad players, but there is not a another elite player. There's not another top 15 offensive player at his position on that team. Maybe, maybe Miles. But like – He's lifting up guys who um, are good, but but he's just taking them to another level. And when they put when some of that talent grows, or they get some guys to put around him, it's going to be fun. I mean, it's already fun. Yeah, and I think you're right that he's the kind of player that other guys want to play with. Like you know, yeah. getting easy baskets. He's unselfish. He also is just like super personable and charismatic. So he has a lot of friends around the league. Like I, I think he's the kind of guy. I did an article about a year ago about uh, Tyrese and, you know, adapting to Indiana. And I interviewed Chad Buchanan, the GM there. And he said, you know, we have a mural downtown of Reggie Miller. And we think Tyrese is that kind of player. Like, he will have a mural someday in Indiana. We think he can lead us to the promised land. You know, they are, like, all in on Tyrese. And it's it's paying off. I mean, he looks incredible out there. And I think they really do believe not only is he going to be a superstar for them, but he can attract another superstar as well to Indiana, which is tough to do. I mean, that's a that's a market yeah. where you pretty much have to draft your your talent or trade for players, but they believe that maybe he could be the kind of guy that changes that and, and other guys want to come play with him. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think he and Miles have great chemistry and that's working out really well. Uh, but you're right. Miles is more of a defensive-minded player. And once they get like another star-level player there, I, I think that could be scary. But the fact that they're winning without that, it's it's really impressive and a testament to their core they've kind of assembled there. Um, I want to ask you about the Los Angeles Lakers because, I don't know, I, I feel like we talked about a little bit earlier about you know them and the Zach Levine mix and stuff like that, but they just don't scare me as much this year as maybe they did last year in the second half when they were hot and looking really good. You, you mentioned, you know, you're, you're based out there. What are your thoughts on this Lakers team and, and how they've kind of gotten off to this slow start? I'm like, yeah, they looked great the last time I saw them, but they were playing Memphis. So it doesn't really count. Um, <laughs> they're just a team. And I think the Warriors are in this category for me. Like they're capable, like their peak is very good. Like maybe not Denver good, but their peak is very good. Everything has to go right. And and that's been part of it. Like you need big nights from Anthony Davis and he's had some really good nights and he's played good defense, but it's not necessarily every night where they need it. And this team, I haven't looked at the on off numbers this you know, in the last few days with him, but this team is a mess when LeBron's off the court. And that was yeah. what they were trying to get away from, right? Like LeBron's going to turn 39 next month. You don't want that to be the guy you have to anchor everything around hey we're gonna play him 30 minutes oh we can't play him 30 minutes or we don't win like that's not that's what they wanted to avoid that's what this depth was supposed to fix and and i think it's gotten better to 
Austin Reeves got off to a slow start, but he's found his groove again. I think that they, they're figuring out what does and doesn't work, but they are really, I mean, doesn't it feel like they just, they're only a threat if everything clicks and, and I was about to say, that's not how the NBA works, man. That's just not how life works. Like yeah. just, just, Nothing ever goes perfectly. And I'm not sure, you know, it's the warriors are the same. Hey, we're six and two. Look how good we are. Oh, no, no, we've lost five in a row, and yeah, they've got a whole different set of problems. It is very concerning how much they're relying on LeBron, especially at this stage in, the, in his career. And when, to your point, they started the season by saying, we're going to play him fewer minutes and, and all that. I mean, by the end of the year, he is LeBron, so he's a cyborg, obviously, but that's going to take a toll throughout the course of a season. Like, if they want to finish as high in the standings as they're hoping to finish, then LeBron's going to have to play big minutes and, and you know, have a huge workload. And then by the end of the year, you know, who knows what that does to him and how that affects him in the playoffs and, and all that. So definitely concerning. Um, one team that's really surprised me is the Houston Rockets. Uh, I covered their opening game against the Orlando Magic, and it was awful. I mean, both ends of the floor, just it, it was rough. Orlando blew them out. Uh, and I, I came on this show and I was like, man, it, it, they are in trouble. And it was obviously a huge overreaction to one game. Now they're six and three. Um, they're fourth in the Western Conference right now, which is pretty wild. And obviously, they had a lot of changes over the offseason from the coaching staff to some focal points. And uh, that's going to take time to develop. And I should have known better <laughs> than coming on here one or two <laughs> games in and bashing them. But it definitely takes time to adjust to all those changes. But this Houston team looks much better than I expected uh, lately. What are your thoughts on the Rockets and what they've shown? First off, Alex, one of the great traditions of sports fandom is massive overreactions to the first game. <laughs> Regardless, Premier League, NFL, doesn't matter. Got to overreact to the first game, of no course. matter what. It's just a dream. Um, I'm surprised. I mean, I know, yes, part of this has come against a soft schedule, and they did add um, Fred Van Vliet just stabilizes everything he ever touches, and so he stabilized them in a lot of ways. And I mentioned Dylan Brooks before. He's been great. He's been, I mean, and you know, he can defend, you know, he's, yeah, he's going to, we headlines because he's doing the silly stare down with LeBron, but he's take, he's averaging a couple, like one fewer point a game, but um, he's taking three or four fewer shots a game. I forget the exact number, but he's taking less. Last time I looked, it was less than nine shots a game. He's really picking his spots and, hitting shots when he's open. And I've, I'm going to credit M.A. Adoka with some of that. I think that he is a good developmental coach for them kind of starting to build this into something and seeing what they've really got with, I mean, I, this isn't the long-term version of them, right? Like Fred Van Fleet's gone in a couple of years. Brooks probably gone in a couple of years. And it's, hey, what is Alman Thompson? We don't know yet. What is the guy who's standing out? I mean, I don't know about Green, but Shingoon, Shingoon looks great, man, doesn't he? Yeah, he does. Another player that I've been fortunate enough to have in my dynasty league. So I've been watching him a ton and loving him. Like uh, I saw there was an article in the ringer today about how he asked Yudoka and the coaching staff to coach him harder. And he said in Europe, they would yell at me and stay on me and bench me if my defense wasn't good. And he like asked them to do that. And they were like, okay, we can do that. So he's like, it's, they, they've been cussing him out during film studies. They've been benching him of his defense. You know, uh, he, he has some lapses on that end it seems like he's like begging them for harder coaching. And that's kind of what you want. If you're, you want to see that if you're an executive, you're a coach. I mean, that's great. Um, and he just has taken some huge strides. I mean, he always kind of had that 
uh, you know, Joker-like skill set. And they were all, we've always heard those comparisons because he's a great passer and rebounder. I think even Joker has said, that guy's good. He needs to be more involved in the offense. They need to run their offense. Yeah, yeah, that was, yeah. yeah, that was a year or two ago. Um, but this year, it seems like he's kind of putting it all together and really taking that next step. And I mean, he's still so young, too. He has a ton of potential. So I, I'm a huge fan of his. Um, I, I think this team is very interesting. And you're right. I just looked it up. So Dylan Brooks is, is taking 8.7 shots per game. Whereas, you know, a couple of years ago, that was at 15. I mean, he was taking yeah. so many shots. And I think my criticism of Dylan Brooks was always, he can be this awesome defender. But the issue was he would shoot Memphis out of certain games because he was inefficient. He would take too many shots. Now, and I always said, if he could just focus on being that lockdown defender and, and take fewer shots, then he could be super valuable. Now, not only is he taking eight shots per game, he's been super efficient, like 53% yeah. from three, 55% from the field. Uh, I think 85% from the line. I mean, that's what you want to see from him because it was always the too many shots and inefficiency that really hurt, you know, yeah. uh, or, or devalued him. It was always the, the great defense that those were kind of the knocks on him. Hopefully he can keep that up and it's not just like a small sample size thing. Obviously his three-point shooting will come down a little bit. No wow. one's going to stay at 55% or whatever. But yeah, I mean, the fact that he's kind of shooting the ball less and taking smarter shots. I think it's a great sign. Yeah. It's, it's a sign of maturity, isn't it? Like he just looks like a guy who's in Memphis. There were times you're right. It wasn't just that he jacked up shots. It was more like, Hey, Jaws getting all these shots and Jaron's getting all these rim running dunks. Like I got to get some like, mm-hmm. and now he seems more settled into it. The game will come to me. Like if I just be me, I will get good looks and I can, I can get my touches. I can get my points, but I don't have to, I don't have to force it like it felt like he did way too much in Memphis. And, I, you know, I don't know. I think it's more I want, you know, I gave um, Udoka credit. I, it's not like Taylor Jenkins wasn't telling him this. It's just sometimes you need it from a different place, man. I want to take a moment to thank our sponsor, Prize Picks. If you haven't tried daily fantasy sports on Prize Picks, you're missing out. You pick two to six players and whether they'll score more or less points than their prize pick projection. If you're right, you win big. You can win 25 times your money on any entry. At Prize Picks, you aren't competing against other people, which might include experts and sharks. It's just you versus the projections. Prize Picks offers projections on virtually every sport NFL, NBA, MLB, NHL, PGA, college football, college basketball, soccer, WNBA, esports, NASCAR, tennis, MMA, boxing, and more. You can mix and match players from different sports. So you could have Steph Curry and Patrick Mahomes in the same entry, for example. If you download prize picks today and use the promo code running, they'll double your deposit up to $100. That is the promo code running and they will match your deposit up to $100. It takes 30 seconds or less to build a lineup to show you how easy it is. I'm going to build an entry right now. All right, we're on prize picks. I'm going to go Anthony Davis more than 36.5 points plus rebounds. Then let's go over to the NFL. I've had a lot of luck with the receiving yards this year. So I'm going to go... CeeDee Lamb, more than 82.5 receiving yards against Carolina. He's been fantastic lately. And then let's go with a three-player entry this week. I'm going to go down to A.J. Brown down here. Let's go A.J. Brown, more than 85.5 receiving yards. Let's do a $20 entry. If I win, I get 100 bucks. Place entry. Just like that, we're good to go. We're entered. Thank you to PrizePix for sponsoring this episode. Use that promo code RUNNING and they will double your first deposit. That is the promo code RUNNING. Let's get back to the episode. 
Yeah, and I wonder how much like the criticism and then the change of scenery. And I think it was so unprecedented to see a team come out like two months before free agency and be like, it doesn't matter what he costs, we're not going to retain him. Like I think I think Shams had like quotes from the Memphis uh, side of things saying that, which like you never see that like that early before free agency being like this guy is not going to be back here regardless of what happens during free agency i wonder how much of that was kind of like humbling and and made him look at things a little bit differently and obviously he was rewarded with a huge contract so um you know that is interesting but uh yeah i mean whatever they're doing over there it seems to be working and they're getting the best out of him so props to them and and props to him for kind of making that change and he's he's really been great this year last question for you um i think that denver and boston are on a collision course it seems like those are the top teams in each conference. And then there's a significant gap. There are other good teams, obviously, but both of those teams just seem so well-rounded. They have chemistry because uh, the continuity, uh, good coaches, uh, especially, I mean, I'm a huge Mike Malone fan. Uh, do you think those are the teams to beat right now in the favorites in each conference? Or is there other teams that kind of stand out to you? Do you agree those teams kind of feel like they're on a collision course? Absolutely. They do. They're the two, they're the two like you said, the two best teams, but there's also... There's continuity with both, but I got to say, I wasn't sure about the Porzingis fit and how long that would take to come together in Boston and what it would. I'm like, you know, you're giving up some, well, I mean, Robert Williams isn't playing this year, but like you, are you, are you messing with your chemistry in the room deep, you know, with Marcus Smart being not there? It's working right now. It's working. It's really everything you could have asked for in offense and the rim protection, they formed a wall with, you know, and forget Porzingis is 7-3 and can block some shots. Um, so, yeah, those are, to me, the two teams that are there and everybody else. If you're Philadelphia and you're thinking, and, and, and Bede said it the, after the game the other night, that's the best team. That's the team we got to figure out how to beat. And that might mean, like we were talking about, um, adding, if you're them, aren't you calling Chicago and saying, hi, I'd like to talk to you about DeMar DeRozan, maybe Alex Caruso. Is there, yeah. to you, is there more of a market for those guys than Zach? Yeah, I think the contracts help. Um, yeah. Jake Fisher kind of made the same point when he was on this uh, show. He said, DeMar has shown that he can, you know, contribute to winning. And obviously, he hasn't won like a championship. But those Toronto teams were able to have success in the playoff. Went up against LeBron every year, which didn't help. But, you know, he kind of has that reputation for being able to contribute to winning. Great closer. Not as bad of a contract. And then Alex Caruso, he's one of those guys that you can kind of throw on any team. He's going to have positive minutes. He can, he knows his role. Great glue guy. Um, so, yeah, I think um, Levine is the splashy name, and he's going to get a lot of the attention, I think. But I'm sure there's a ton of teams calling about those guys as well, especially when you factor in the money and yeah. just kind of they fit on more teams, it seems like. Yeah. And out West, look, Den- I've been saying since the start, you want to win a championship, Denver's the bar. And it's like, all right, maybe Philly pulls, you know, in Philly, I'm sorry, maybe Phoenix pulls it together and their depth is better than we were talking about earlier. The Lakers and the Warriors peak can get close to that if everything clicks. What about Minnesota? Like, I just, they're really good. Their defense is elite. Rudy Gobert looks like Rudy Gobert again. Anthony Edwards, I mean, again, for those of us nerds who watched FIBA, like, you knew he was ready to make a leap. He has been fantastic. And there's still a certain with me, like, we haven't done it in the playoffs. I mean, I just, I think it's a different, the game obviously changes, the pressure changes. I'm not sure that they're ready to challenge Denver in a postseason, although they gave them as much of a game as anybody last year. I think they're a tough matchup because 
they're the one team who can match the size. Like Denver's just pretty big across the board, and Minnesota's a problem that way. So, I mean, what do you think of Minnesota? Yeah, you know, I definitely was a bit low on them entering the season. I, I think I was too low on them. Uh, like Michael Scotto from Hoopswipe was on the show saying that that was his like big surprise team. He thought they weren't getting enough credit. And I was like, uh, you know, I, I like the pieces there, but I didn't think they could be this good. But I mean, they've been fantastic defensively. Anthony Edwards has taken the next step. I, I like their supporting cast too. I like some of the role players that they've been able to add. Yeah. Like, like I'm a big fan of Jaden McDaniels. I think his defense is incredible. You know, they just have a really nice core there. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think... I'm a believer now entering the season again. I was a bit too low on them and I kind of regret that, but they've really impressed me. Um, I do have some concerns about can they do it in the playoffs because we haven't really seen that from them. But I mean, I could see them being the kind of team that maybe goes on like a significant playoff run this year and kind of gets that experience. And then going forward, like next year, they're really scary as a contender. Yes, except that's when the super max for or the max. That's for a great point. And then, and the, the Edwards extension kicks like, it's going to be that new CBA. I mean, what are you hearing from execs? Cause like, I'm hearing a lot of teams like looking at the Denver model of two stars, a couple of good role players and trying to fill it in with the Christian Browns of the world might be the model. I think that is the model. And I think there's a lot of teams that were really scared of it. And so they were like, you know, the Phoenix is the world. Those teams, they were like, let's just go spend money now and try to get go all in on this year and then not really worry about, you know, down the road. And I, I definitely think it's going to limit uh, teams quite a bit. Um, I had uh, Eric Pincus on the show here. and He was talking about just how tough it's going to be for for certain teams to kind of keep their core together or make any kind of moves to add around the, the edges. Even like when it comes to like adding bought out players and stuff, there are so many restrictions that if you're a team that spent a bunch of money, you're basically committed to your core because there's not going to be a lot of ways to improve your roster. So I think a lot of executives are definitely worried about the restrictions that are going to be in place. Um, I don't know. I'm very curious to see how it all works out. And then you have the the new TV deal that's right around the corner too. That's going to, you know, just completely change the landscape again shortly afterwards. So I don't know. I think maybe that's the one thing where if you're a team that's spent a bunch of money, you're kind of looking at that TV deal, hoping that can kind of bail you out a, a little bit and the salary cap jumps up. But I think it is going to be really interesting to see how, I, I, one of the reasons why I had Eric on the show is because I don't think a lot of fans realize just how, uh, uh, you know, tough things are going to be starting next year with this new CBA uh, and some of the restrictions that are in place, uh, unless you've actually went in and, and read it. Or um, I think people don't realize how different it's going to be and just how uh, there's not going to be ways to just go add players left and right. Uh, and, and some of the, the penalties are really strict. Yeah. It's the, uh, when I've talked, it'll be interesting. I'm very, uh, yeah. When I've talked to people and, and, Eric is great at this, but like the executive I've talked to have been more concerned about it's not, you know, it's, it's not the money for a lot of them. Like the owners are willing to spend it. They think they've got a contender. It's that the hundred percent matching, like the limited matching on, on, on trades and not being able to bring in guys off the buyout market who made above the league minimum. Um, I mean, league uh, mid-level, except there's a bunch of ways guys added good players that just go away. And they're not yep. sure what this is going to look like, and they, that it's going to be, it's going to be way harder to do what we kind of had come to expect at the trade deadline and buyout, right? Where you're like, hey man, if you're what, what we talked about today, 
what's Philadelphia going to do, man? Do they need one more guy? Who can they go get? Who's that guy? That's going to get way harder. Yeah, you're basically if you if you're spending all that money, you better really believe in that group because you're probably going to be stuck with them. It's not yeah. going to be as easy to go out there and make trades or oh, we have a little weakness. Let's go add one or two buyout players. Like we've seen that in years past. It's going to be a lot harder. You have to really believe in your group and uh, think you have enough if you're going to spend that kind of money. So it'll be interesting. Uh, I appreciate you jumping on here and uh, breaking all this down with me, though. Always fun. Uh, can you tell the people where they can find more of your work? Uh, sure thing. I, I, the Twitter handle is right there below uh, at Basketball Talk. And you know, all my work's up at NBCSports.com. Uh, podcast, there'll be videos, if you, um, stuff on Brother from Another and some of the stuff on Peacock occasionally as well. And, and certainly more as we get deeper into the season right now. Uh, a lot of people are talking about that other sport with the, the more oblong ball a lot. But <laughs> that, that will start to evolve as we move <laughs> <laughs> that will start to evolve a little as we, as you know, how it goes. Um, second half of the year, a lot more people are paying attention, and and we'll see. You know, we've got the in-season tournament stuff coming up too, so that'll be. I'm curious what the fan reaction to that's going to be. I tweeted something the other day. the uh, The ratings are up, attendance is up, uh, league pass viewership is up. So I mean, as much as fans are kind of mocking it, or you see on Twitter, people are joking about it. There is genuine interest. It seems people are treating it more than just a regular regular season game. So it's working so far. I put up a story today, just kind of updating with standings and stuff, but I have a bunch of quotes from Darvin Ham and Anthony Davis and a bunch of several other players. Damian Lillard talked about this the other night. Coaches, players, teams, they're kind of motivated. Like $500,000. They're like, Oh, that's not that much. These guys I'm like, dude, that's half a million dollars. Like they're <laughs> motivated. It's, it's not nothing. And on top of that, they're just, you don't, as Darvin said, you don't get to this level without being competitive. So if you put something out there to win, they're not going to, they're not going to lose sleep over it. Like they might an NBA championship, but guys would like to win that. Yeah. And Dame had a great quote too, about he's like $500,000 for our two way guys or end of the roster guys. That is huge. I mean, that's life-changing money for them, especially, you know, the two way guys who don't have a huge salary. So yeah, yeah. it'll be interesting to see, you know, how, especially as it, kind of progresses it's going to get more and more intense and, and then it'll be really fun to see the fan reaction i if the fan reaction i will also tell you what i mean if you've, if you've heard this from players they like the idea of going to vegas like you, oh yeah <laughs> they're very down with being one of those four teams and getting a few days in vegas in the middle of the season that makes a lot of sense i didn't think about that that, that aspect of it uh yeah it's going to be fun i think they're doing a great job with it um everyone make sure you guys follow kurt at basketball talk check out his great work at uh nbc sports pro basketball talk great stuff there if you guys want to hear more episodes of this show you can watch every tuesday and friday at 6 p.m we air episodes on twitter on or x uh on youtube you can listen on apple Podcasts, spotify wherever you guys guys listen to podcasts and until next time thanks for watching <laughs>